Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Romans, the 12th chapter, second verse says, not, can be, not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we all know, so that we can prove the good, acceptable, perfect will of the Lord. But not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. That's the last scripture we used last Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. And like Brother Buddy was just saying, that we're looking at a world that is in fear and it seems to have lost their mind. And you don't think Satan uses fear to get you off the word? He uses fear to get you conformed to the patterns of this world. And we're not supposed to be in fear. And we're not supposed to be in the world. He's called us out from amongst them to be separate, not to go in and be the same. We are supposed to be different. When, when people see us, they should see a difference. Why are you not in fear? Why are you in fear? I'm not in fear because I know what the Word of God says. I know the blood of Jesus has been shed for me, and I believe it. I believe it just like I believe that I got red hair on my head. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. But I believe it. That's why I'm not in fear. The question is, why are you in fear? You're, you're in fear because you either don't know the Word or don't believe the Word. You're not appropriating the Word, whatever it is. There's a lot of reasons why people get over into fear. But I'll tell you why, because you're looking at things, uh, you're walking by sight and not by faith. And when you're conformed to the patterns of this world, that's what you're doing is you're looking at things the same way the world's looking at them. And what the world does, it says, if it looks good, keep looking at it. If it feels good, keep tasting it. If it tastes good, keep eating it. If it feels good, keep feeling it. If it sounds good, keep listening to it. But I'm not walking by what I see, what I hear, what I feel, what I taste, or what I smell. I'm not walking by my senses. I'm not walking by my sight. I'm walking by faith. And that's what we're supposed to be. That's what Christianity is. You got saved by faith. You live your life by faith. We live by faith. Not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. The world is not responding in faith. The world doesn't act in faith. The world doesn't live in faith. I can tell you why. Because it's the world. And you're not born again. You're not saved. And that's the opposite of faith. Y'all with me? So when we're being conformed to the patterns of this world, you, you can't be conformed to the patterns of this world and still be in faith. You can't still be in rest. When you're conformed to the patterns of this world. And so, um, I'm not an end times preacher. In fact, I've never preached an end times message in my life. I've done very little studying on it. I don't even like to sit around and listen to a whole lot of end times messages. I've listened to a bunch of them because I was in a setting where I had no choice because that's what they were preaching on. But it's not something that I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to hear that. But that's just me. I preach to get people saved and to get you to understand what belongs to you so you can appropriate it. And, and, and I want you to go to heaven. And I don't want you to limp in. But the end times are important to understand that. Thank the Lord that people do teach on it so they can inform people like myself or like you that really don't study or know a lot about it. I do want to be informed. But... I'm not uh, studying the end times and watching it so that I can get ready at the last minute. I just take my grandmother's advice that she gave me years ago. You just stay ready. Because it may, in time, it might be today. It might be next week. But I, I say all that to say this. Um, I don't, I've never said I think it's near. In fact, I've heard people say they think it's near, and I've always thought I don't think it is. I think the world's going to get a whole lot darker and a whole lot worse. But in these last few months, it's got a lot darker, and it's got a lot worse. And now they're talking about putting this chip in your head and in your hand so they can have all your information. And you can't buy groceries. You can't buy a firearm. It's got all your info in there. And a lot of people are going to be conformed to that pattern because they're going to think that's cool. I don't have to carry a purse. I don't have to carry my wallet. They just beep, scan my head or my hand like groceries, and they just take the money out of my checking account. That's, that's the truth. It's going to have all your information in there. Everything about you is going to be in that chip. They'll know if you've got car insurance. They'll know if you've got health insurance. They'll know if you've ever had COVID. They'll know if you've ever had a felony. They'll know how much money is in your checking account and if you can afford to buy it when they scan you. They're going to know all this, and people are going to think that's cool. They don't even know what the Word of God says in Revelation about that. And that is the mark of the beast because eventually they're going to say you have to have it to do any trading. They're not going to allow you to trade. So 
They're talking about it. They're trying to implement it. People are trying to push that. Let me tell you, that's not coming until after Christ returns. Which tells me it's real near. Real near. So if the return of Christ is near, then you don't need to be conformed to the patterns of this world. You don't need to be living in sin when the eastern sky splits open and he comes in to get us and take us home. And when I mean living in sin, what I mean is when you know it's wrong, whatever it is, you know it's wrong, but you choose to do it anyway because that's what you want to do. That is living in sin. If you know, I know this is wrong. I know what the Word says. I've been taught. But I'm going to do it anyway regardless of what that word says, then you're living in sin. If you know it's wrong to steal, but you still consistently stealing, you are living a life of sin. You are choosing to live in sin. You don't need to be living in sin when Jesus returns. What I'm saying is time, it's time to repent. And that means you've been walking this way, and it's time to turn around and walk this way, because that's being conformed to the world when you walk in that way. It's time to be transformed. Think about a man. I said this other day. Think about a man and his wife and children at home. And he has told his wife he is here or there, but in reality, he's down with his girlfriend at a hotel. I'd hate to be that man when Jesus comes back. I'm not going to be that man. But just the thoughts of being that man makes me want to cry. I, 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 would, I would really hate to be in that position. I would, what about if you're a, a doctor and you've done tens of thousands of abortions and you're just right in the middle of an abortion and Jesus comes back? Your future is not bright. It's quiet in here. But not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, to be transformed. I want you to be transformed. I want to be transformed. I want to see things differently than the world. And I do see things differently than the world. Um, and it matters what you put in your eyes. And it matters what you put in your ears. It matters what comes out of your mouth, off your lips. All these things are important. Amen? Now, I didn't have that scripture on my list of scriptures today. <clears throat> yes, I did. There it is right there. Looky there. There it is. Not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, to have your mind renewed by the Word of God. Now, you can sit in front of the television and watch CNN all day. Not going to do it. You can watch Fox. Not going to do it. You can watch the Country Boy Eddie show. Not going to do it. I used to watch Country Boy Eddie's show. I remember when I was a little kid, my papa watched it, and I'd watch it. Everybody else hated it. And uh, probably nothing wrong with the Country Boy Eddie show, but that's certainly not going to transform your mind, transform and renew your mind, is it? Amen. So uh, it's important. It's important where you spend your time. And... Um, so last week I, I, I had talked about Genesis, and I read a scripture in there about, um, you know, God provided everything we needed, right? He provided everything we needed. He didn't create man. He didn't create Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve go to God. He said he came and talked with them, walked to them in the cool of the evening, hung out with them. They didn't say one evening, God, you know what? Um, we are really hungry. And God said, you know, I didn't even think about that. You guys getting hungry? Here, let me whip up, let me create some vegetables and let me create uh, some cattle and some, uh, the Bible calls it beasts of the land. Let me create some meat. Let me create these things. And they didn't say, we're thirsty. We're feeling a little dehydrated. Let me create some water. In other words, everything that they would ever need was already provided beforehand. Everything that mankind would ever need was provided beforehand. That's why people talk about, oh, the world's coming to an end soon. It's just uh, in seven years, there's not going to be enough food. There's not going to be enough oxygen, global warming, all this. That's all nonsense. God knew all that was going to happen before he ever created. He, he planned for it. 
The, the earth heals itself. He planned for it. Let me tell you, global warming is not going to take us out. The Bible tells you what's going to happen to planet earth. And it's not going to be global warming that does it. God's going to do it. All this stuff that we uh, esteem so much and we put so much value in, it's all going to burn. Every bit of it. The house, the cars, the trucks, everything around, burn. That's why he said not to store up things right here on heaven, but in heaven, rather in heaven, I mean on earth, but rather in heaven. Amen? But he creates all these things. Now, when he creates the, the plants, it says that they would yield seed. They would reproduce. He didn't, he didn't put a seed in the ground. He literally created corn, or he re- literally created a tree, or he created an animal. And all these animals uh, sow, sow seeds. These, these uh, plants produce seeds, and they reproduce. They recreate themselves over and over and over and over. Never one time in the history of the world did God say, I'm going to have to create another million cows today because they're eating so much down there. I mean, did you see the man last night that ate the barbecue? I'm going to have to create some more uh, pigs so they can have some more barbecue. And speaking of the men's group, if you, didn't make, if you didn't make it last night, that's okay. You have another opportunity. Uh, tomorrow night, there's a women's group y'all can hit, hit up. <laughs> I'm just messing around. No, you can, you can hit it up the men's group again. Did we decide that we were going to do that this Thursday? Did we? At 6? 637. 630 it is. 630 Thursday night right here. We won't stay as long as we did last night. But anyway, he doesn't have to create any more barbecue. He's never had to redo anything because once he did it, he was finished. He said birds multiply, fish multiply. He, t- he created humans and he said to be fruitful and to multiply. The you and I are supposed to be fruitful and to multiply. Amen. And he provided you with the hardware needed to do so. Men and women. Not man and man. Not woman and woman. Not man and a computer. But a man and a woman. That's how God created it. And talking about Jesus coming back, when he comes back, he's not going to find me preaching half the gospel, a third the gospel, two-thirds the gospel. I'm not going to dodge that abortion's wrong. I'm not going to dodge that homosexuality's wrong. It's in the scripture. It's wrong. I'm going to preach the whole word. Are you a full gospel preacher? What else is there? A half gospel preacher? But I'm not, I mean, in other words, I know churches that dodge things that could be offensive to people. I'm not offending you. It's the word of God that's offending you, not me. I don't even give you my opinion. I put a scripture on the screen to prove it. So if you're offended, you're offended by the word, and that's on you, not me. Like I said, we're going to preach the word, the whole word. And I know sometimes the word, the seed falls by the wayside and the thorns and the thistles and some of it falls on hard ground. But let me tell you, if you'll come in here in the mornings and have your soul prepared, your ground ready, you ready to receive the word, some good's going to come from it. And Jackie was talking to me this morning or last night, one or the other, talking about how hard-hearted uh, people are becoming. They are hard-hearted. People are becoming hard-hearted to the things of God. You know, some states you can't have church. By all means, no church. But you can walk outside the church doors and protest. They're arrest you for having church. California, you can't have church. There's lots of states you, cannot, you can't do what we're doing here, but you can walk right out the door and protest and you're perfectly fine. That's some hard-hearted people right there. If you don't see the work of Satan in there, you need to open your eyes and realize what's going on. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be, don't be uh, blinded by that. But anyway, God provided everything that we would need. Everything that was needed was provided before you and I existed. Before Adam and Eve existed, the need was provided, whatever they needed to make clothing for, well, they were naked. They had to get messed that up. I mean, think of all the money you'd save. Never again. I mean, never would your wife go, do I look good in this? I don't look big in it, do I? See? 
gets us in all kind of trouble. And it's all Eve's fault. But God never created anything new. Everything was there. Okay, so if they're hungry, did God go out and kill the cow, cut it up, get a couple fillets, put them on the grill, get them going, slice it for them, stab it with a, a stick or whatever they used back in those days, and stick it in their mouth and then chew it for them? No, they had to get the banana and peel it and eat it. They, act, they had to go and take what was provided for them. Y'all get where I'm going with this. It's already been provided for you. It was provided for them. And on the seventh day, it says, on the sixth day, he created us. Everything's been provided. On the seventh day, he rested. Why did he rest? He was just wore a slap out. No, he wasn't worn out. It wasn't like if God created one more star, he was just going to collapse. I mean, some of you have worked that long before that you thought if I just, <laughs> I mean, I'm fixing to collapse. I, I remember being that tired one time. It's been years ago. And Jackie was at home with Mackenzie, and she was vacuuming, and the pizza man came. So she cut the vacuum off, and they got the pizza, and they just set it right in the middle of the living room floor on the rug, and they were eating pizza. And I came in from work, and I'd worked 38 hours without stopping because she was pregnant with triplets, and I thought my world was coming to an end, and I just had to make a bunch of money. True story. And I come in from working 38 hours. It's amazing what you can do when you put your mind to it. That's why you need your mind renewed. And I got down on that rug. I laid my head on the vacuum cleaner and I fell asleep. And you know you're tired when you use a vacuum cleaner for a pillow. That's a true story. True story. And... Um, I had two crews of men, and I was working both crews. I stayed with both crews. I'd work the day shift and the night shift. How stupid. But I was, I was trying to do the work. I was trying to be the provider instead of looking to God to provide my needs. He didn't want me working that many hours. I mean, your body is not designed to do that. It's not good for you. When your back hurts so bad... Not because you've pulled a muscle, but because you've been working so long that you have to lay down on the concrete for five minutes and then get up to work again. I mean, you're, that's your body going, hey, Goofy, quit. <laughs> but that, that's what I would do, literally. It's just, just silly. But God wasn't tired like that. Let me, i got to get going. God wasn't tired like that. The reason he rested is because he was complete. It was done. Like if you go to work, you don't clock in. Well, I guess if you work at the desk and you're on a computer, but forget that. Let's talk about work where you have to stand up. But you don't go to work and clock in and then sit down and, all right. No, you get to work. You sit down after you're finished working. Or if you're taking a break, I get lunch. Or sometimes we get really hot because it's so hot now. And occasionally, not often, but every now and then we'll just get hot, too hot. We'll just sit down for a minute in front of the fan and drink some water to try to get our body temperatures back to 160. Because we feel like we're melting out there. True story. It's hot. But we're not working when we're sitting down. We're resting. But my, my point to all that is God... On the seventh day, he rested. That means he's not doing anything else. He created everything man would ever need. He is done. Finished. He didn't forget anything. He's not going to recreate anything. He's not going to do it. He's done. When he sat down, done. Finished. Seventh day, finished. I'm now resting. It wasn't because he's worn out. It's because he was done. It's like an artist paints a painting, and when they get finished, they're finished. One more little, whoosh, and it just messed it up. And you, y'all have done that before too. Y'all have done something where you said, I should have I quit. It was perfect, but I had to do that last little, or I put that last little bit of sauce in there, but I had it mixed just right, but it must have been that extra this or that. I ruined it. God, when God finished, he's finished. Finished, complete, don't have to go back and do anything. Amen. So in John, the 19th, chapter 28th verse. After, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now, I want you to know he wasn't thirsty for water. He wasn't thirsty for uh, 
anything to hydrate him. He was thirsty for righteousness. He tells us to hunger, to thirst after righteousness. And there was a thing that took place on the cross. You can go read it in John, that he became the propitiation for our sin. In other words, he traded places with us. He became sin. We became righteousness. So he was thirsty. He was thirsty for righteousness because he wasn't righteous anymore. He became sin. You and I became the righteousness of God through what? The blood of Jesus. Amen. That's why he said, I thirst. It says, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a, uh, a hyssop, and put it into his mouth. That's a branch. That's a limb. It's the same one they dipped in blood, and they put it on the doorpost when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They dipped that in the blood and put it on the doorpost. Right here, they're dipping it in that sour wine, which is representing the curse. And if you go read in Jeremiah, you'll see where it says the children's teeth are set on edge because of what they're fathers drank. Their fathers drank the sour wine. So he's dipping it right here in this sour wine and this vinegar, and he is putting it to Jesus' mouth. What I'm saying is there was an exchange that took place. He took the curse. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it's finished. He couldn't say it was finished 30 minutes beforehand or an hour beforehand because it wasn't finished. It wasn't finished until this was fulfilled. And then after this was fulfilled, now it's finished. And then he entered into his rest. It says, bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, I'm going to come back to that later, but y'all remember that. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. That's good news. Now, Sid was talking Wednesday night. And he was talking about the priest. He said, you know, the priest that tie the rope around their leg and they go back there because if they had any sin in their life when they went back uh, before the presence of the Lord, they'd drop dead and you'd have to pull them out of there. Because if you went in after them and you had any sin in your life, you're going to be piled up and they're dead with them. Can you imagine how many dead people would end up being in there just trying to get the one guy out? So they tie the rope around your leg. True story. Is it? Yes, yeah, true. It's the word. And so... Um, these priests stood ministering daily. And I want to show you right here in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 11th verse. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away the sins of the world. All this is doing is postponing it. It's swapping the credit card, but the bill's coming at the end of the month. In other words, this is just getting them by. But specifically, it says the priest stands ministering daily. That's because the work was not finished. The priest was working. The priest was doing the work. He couldn't sit down. In fact, there was no seats even in there. In there. there was a, a table of showbread, manure, and altar of incense. That was the only furniture in the whole um, Exactly. That was the only articles of furniture in the tabernacle. That's it. There was nothing else in there. He couldn't sit down. If he would have sat down, that would have been bad news. The Jewish people, he wouldn't have worried about having to drop dead. That would have killed him. Basically, he would have been saying he was the Messiah when he sat down saying, I finished the work. They couldn't sit down. And we're talking about David and one thing. Uh, talking about, Sid was talking about Wednesday night, me and him talked afterwards. He was talking about Melchizedek and Melchizedek being a type and shadow of Jesus. And we were talking about how cool that is and how much we like that. And a lot of people, no big deal to them. But I mean, I, I love it. Like it excites me and fires me up. Anytime I see Jesus in the Old Testament, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. Literally, I'm like, yes. I mean, I literally do that to myself. I love it. It's great. It, it, it does something. It just stirs you. Amen? I want you to see David is a type and shadow of Jesus in so many different ways, but he's a shepherd boy. Jesus is our good shepherd. But David's out there tending the sheep because why? He's a little shepherd kid. He's growing up to be a shepherd. And Samuel, Saul has made a mistake, and God comes to Samuel and says, hey, it's time to anoint a new king. I want you to go out there to Jesse's house and anoint one of his boys, and I'll tell you which one it is. Now get this, this is awesome. This will excite you, Sid, because I know after we talked Wednesday night, he said he likes to see these things too, and he may already know it. I don't know, old news maybe. But Samuel said to Jesse, now 
Now, now Jesse's already brought his oldest boy, and Samuel said, that's surely got to be him. Wasn't him. Another one, that's got to be him. That not him. Another one, not him. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all these young men here? In other words, seven had passed before him, and God said, that ain't the one. That ain't the one. God, are you sure? Surely this is it. No, that ain't the one. Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. Whew. There ain't no sitting down till he comes. Why? Because the work's not finished. And David's a type and shadow of Jesus. No sitting down till he comes because Jesus came and he fulfilled things and he sat down. And you and I are seated with him in heavenly realms. Amen. But you see that there in the scripture? That should excite you. There is no sitting down till he comes. We will wait on him. And then David grew up and he went out there and chopped off Goliath's head. And the skull was buried at Golgotha, which fulfills more scripture about the, the skull is going to be bruised and the heel uh, that's crushed and the heel is going to be bruised because Jesus was uh, put on Calvary and somewhere is... The skull under the feet of Jesus. It's been made his footstool. Amen. The seed of the woman crushed the head of the seed of the enemy. Amen. So, um, going back to uh, John 19th there. Well, first of all, Samuel went and anointed, anointed David. Let me say this. A lot of people... Say, I, I want to be anointed. How can I get more anointed? And I've heard of people having church services, a double, a double portion anointing. Well, are you Elisha? You're not getting a double portion anointing. Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's anointing. But you know what? Elijah only had a portion of the anointing. In other words, the Spirit of God would come upon him and then come upon him, and he would do things, and he would come upon him and do things. The Spirit of God's not coming on you here and there. You've already been anointed to accomplish what God has set forth for you to do. It's already there. You've already been anointed. So to pray, Lord, just anoint me to do something, you've already been anointed to do it. You want to see the anointing come and grow or get stronger, you're going to have to be faithful with what he's given you. So well, I just need God to use me. Well, maybe he's, you ain't ready to be used. He's getting you ready. Maybe he's got you in a season of preparation, getting you ready to send you out. I mean, they don't come out of high school and throw them a hand grenade and a shotgun and send them to war. You've got to get them prepared. There's some training that, that goes on. Y'all with me? So don't curse the ground you're walking on. The place God's got you walking right now, you might not ever see the place he's trying to get you to. But Jesus says... Uh, it's finished. Now, somebody came up to him one time right here in Luke, the 9th chapter, 58th verse. He said, Jesus said to him, or the man said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm going with you. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh, poor Jesus. He was homeless. He just didn't have anything. I'm pretty sure he could have built a house considering he came from a family of carpenters. And carpenters don't lay carpet. I said that in Sunday school one time. It was hilarious. I wasn't in there, but I heard about it. It was Anna's sister, actually. And Luke's... Well, she didn't know, but she said, carpet laying, that's, that's tough work. Jesus had to work hard. The carpentry is pretty tough work, too. But um, foxes... They've got holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The word lay his head uh, is the same word in the Greek, rest, rest his head. In other words, Jesus wasn't here to uh, sit on the couch eat honey buns. He came to do a work. He came to fulfill something. All the pro prophecy, he didn't come to sweep the Ten Commandments under the road, but to fulfill them. The, the, the righteous requirements of the law. He came to fulfill them. Jesus came to do a work. Now I want you to see there where he says he has nowhere to lay his head. And you go back to John, the 19th chapter we were reading earlier where it said that he rested, that he rested. Um, here's what Jesus did on the cross. He took that drink. And it says he 
rested. He, his, he bowed his head. He rested his head, then he gave up his spirit. In other words, that's when he entered into his rest when the work was complete. And Jesus is telling this man right here, in other words, I'm here to do a work, my friend. And uh, that's powerful. That's, that should excite you as well. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus just says he cried out with a loud voice, It's finished. It is finished. It's finished. It's done. Just like when God finished creation, he rested. Jesus finished, sat down, rested. It's done. There's no going back and redoing it. He's not going to the cross again. It's finished. He's not going to have to redo anything. Not going to have to do a do-over. He's finished. Well, it's up to you and I to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, receive everything that He has provided to us. It's up to you and I to, to remain in this rest. It's time to go to work, to go to work. The work was complete, just like creation, and there's nothing else to do. Now, in Ephesians, the first chapter and the 18th verse, this is Apostle Paul. He's praying. He said, this is the prayer I pray for you, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now. But Paul's praying, saying that your eyes will be open, that you'll see things, that you won't be conformed to the patterns of this world, that you won't be blinded by religion, but that your eyes, your understanding, that you'll understand what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you, what he's already done, that you'll see it. I'm holding my hand up like eyes, but that you'll see it. And we do need to look through a different lens. You can't look through the same lens as the world's looking through. And he says, what is the is exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. That's important. We're talking about seating. The, 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 men, the priest couldn't sit down. Samuel said, we will not sit down until David comes. He's, he's come. He came. He finished the work. He sat down. In other words, it is finished. It is done. He's not doing anything else. So when we're praying for God to do something, he's already done it. It's the point I'm trying to get across to you. He's already done it. He finished. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't go, oh, man, I forgot that. You ever left something out, forgot to do something? You weren't complete. You were incomplete because you forgot. It set him down where? Far above principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named not only in this age, but the name to come. His, his name's the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus is above every name. Sickness and disease, whatever they want to call it, whatever they want to name it, all it is is a name, and the name of Jesus is above that name. Isn't that good? And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over uh, all things to the church, which is his body. That's you and I, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And I'll tell you, you need to read all of Ephesians, all six chapters. I'd love to just keep reading there, but for the sake of time, uh, I'm just hitting a few there so we'll get this message across. But I want you to see how he's seated which means he's finished. And in the very next chapter of Ephesians, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now before he gets into this, it talks about how you are basically sons and daughters of the devil, that the devil was your daddy. That's what verses one through three basically say, that you're walking in the world, walking in darkness. Basically, the dad, your daddy was the devil. And my mother, she used to tell me that all the time about my daddy. I don't know... <laughs> and Susan says he's an angel. I don't know. But God, even though your daddy was a devil, and even though you were conformed to the patterns of this world, and even though you were out living like a heathen, 
because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved, not by works, but by grace. You didn't do anything. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. While you were still a sinner, the people that were putting him on the cross were forgiven of their sin if they choose to receive it. He provided to them by grace. And it says, raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, you gotta get a hold of that. Made you sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You were, he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You've been raised up right out of your sin and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You're seated in that rest. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't deserve it. If you got what you deserved, you'd be in hell and so would I. Thank the Lord for the mercy of God. We don't get what we deserve. We get so much more than we deserve. That's what grace is. You get more than you deserve. That in the ages to come that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's how he showed it to us through, through Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. He's a personification of grace. It came. It literally came. See, it's different. You can give somebody something in California. It's not personal, but grace and truth came as a human being. It was Jesus. It came. That's good news. Now, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Now, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not just grace, and it's not just faith. You've been saved by grace through faith. Grace saved you, faith receives. Faith takes, faith appropriates, faith rests. Amen. Um, it's a combo there. In Ephesians 8, you, get, you, 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 know, you go to the draft through and you say, I want a number one. You want the combo? Yeah, I want the combo. Upsize with a Diet Coke. <laughs> and go ahead and give me one of those strawberry cream cheese the pies from Jack's, those are really good. And they're exceptionally good. But faith and grace, do you know if you just preach nothing but faith, 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 that's leading you the wrong way. If you preach nothing but grace, 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 that's leading you the wrong way. It, it's a combo. You've been saved by grace. You receive through faith. You have to have grace and faith. A balance, a mixture, a mixture. You mix them together, things, things happen. You know, like they take a Coke, not much happens, and they take one of those Mentos, Minos, whatever it's called, not much happens. But you put that thing in there, something's fixing to happen. It's pretty amazing. That's what happens when you mix grace and faith. But it's way greater than a little Coke bottle exploding. So when I said time to go to work, what I'm talking about is it's time to, um, to enter into rest. And the scripture tells us to labor to rest. Labor to rest. That doesn't make any sense. Because when I think about resting, my idea of resting is to take a shower, put on some shorts and a t-shirt and some socks because my, my piggies get cold. And they do. It's it's weird. I have to have socks on. My toes get cold. But just lay on the couch or just lay across the bed. Man, I'm just resting. I'm just resting. I'm just going to bed. And I'm just resting. I'm just collapsing. I'm just falling out. I'm, I'm not doing a thing. I'm just resting. Well, that's not the kind of rest I'm talking about. That's not at all the kind of rest I'm talking about. You labor to rest. Um, you're working to stay in this rest. In other words, if you are... Um, if you have faith in this word, you're resting. I have faith in what the word of God says despite what the world says. I have faith in this word. I am resting in this word. My faith is in this. I'm working. I am laboring to rest. The work is to remain in the rest. The work is to remain in faith. Yeah, but the doctor said, I don't care what the doctor said. I'm standing on this word. I am going to stay in Faith, don't get me out of this rest. Because what happens when it gets you out of the rest? Now, you going to figure it out? 
We're going to get up out of our rest, and we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how to get the bills paid. We're going to hawk something, sell something, do something. Going to figure out how to save the marriage, save the relationship, figure out how to go to this doctor, Google that, find out your symptoms, buy this, try that. No, you just remain in the rest. You are working to rest, working to rest, laboring to rest. And rest is God's grace is his unearned, unmerited, the favor of God on your life. And um, faith, you're not standing in faith to get a response. You're in faith in response to what God's already done. So we're not in faith trying to get God to do something. I'm in faith in response to what God's already done for me. Because he's already finished it, remember? He said, it's finished. I'm entering into my rest. I'm seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Guess what? You, even though you don't deserve it, dead in your trespassers, you're raised up with Christ, seated with him in heavenly realms. I'm going to stay in that rest. Amen. It's amazing that people think that if they do X, Y, and Z, then God will move and do something for them. No, God's already done it. He's already finished it. You just got to have faith to receive what's already been accomplished. I know I've heard people pray. Um, I went to someone's house one time who had been in an accident, and they said they went to, um, I believe they said they, they might have went to Brother Hagen or something like that when he was in Birmingham. This is a long time ago. I didn't know Diddley Squat. I just heard there was a guy had been in an accident. He was in a bind. I went to his house. I was like, hey, man, you need to come to our church. I mean, I didn't even know uh, two scriptures, literally. But I knew if I could just get him here, he could hear some scriptures. This is a long time ago. And uh, he said, well, we already went to a meeting. And uh, I'm not sure if it was Brother Hagin or not, so uh, I could be wrong. But he said, we already went. We, we prayed, laid hands on it. We're just, we're just sitting here waiting on God to manifest, waiting on him to show up. And uh, I said, okay, well, I was confused by that, to be honest with you. But let me tell you this. God showed up 2,000 years ago. He showed up 2,000 years ago. Now, while you're waiting, your faith may build to appropriate what he's already provided for you, and you think, well, God just decided to heal me. No, he made that decision 2,000 years ago. The decision was made 2,000 years ago. Peter 2.24, by my stripes you are healed. Past tense, finished work, done, completed, not going back, redoing it, you were healed. People say, well, that's spiritual healing. No, it's not because your spirit wasn't sick. Your spirit was dead. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 will tell you that what? The old's passed away. The new has come. That you're a new creation. That's because your spirit was made brand new and everything you ever need was deposited in there when it was made. Praise the Lord. Faith's not going to make him do it. Faith's going to receive what he's already done. And you've got to understand that. We get into Mark 11, 23, 24, and when you pray and you believe that you receive it, then you'll have those things which you uh, believe, which you say. Well, <clears throat> people can totally take that out of context. You've got to take the Bible and the Scriptures interlock and go together. You cannot say, well, the Word of God says I can have what I say. So, Lord, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to rob the bank, and I just pray that I won't get caught. Well, thievery and burglary was not provided for you uh, by the atonement. If it was provided to you by the atonement, then that scripture is totally applicable. But if it wasn't, you can't pray for another man's wife or another uh, woman's husband because that wasn't provided to you by the atonement. But if it was provided to you by the atonement, then you're not making God do something with your faith, you're just receiving what God's already done and what he's already provided. See, what we're trying to do is transform and, and look at things differently. We're not looking as a, I'm praying for a victory. We're looking as I'm praying from a victory. I'm already victorious. It's done. It's finished. It's over. It's complete. 
I'm not hoping God does it. I have faith that he's already done it. And if there's something not going uh, correctly or moving at the speed that you would like for it to move, know that the, the problem is on, human, on mankind's end. It's not on God's end. Sometimes we're just looking at things wrong. Or we're in unbelief or doubt or fear or different things. Or trying to earn it, get over into work. Because if you get over into work, that will stop the flow of God. It absolutely will. It takes effort to rest. And uh, let me tell you, before you ever got the doctor's report, God already knew what the doctor was going to tell you. It's not news to him. It may be news to you. you. The doctor may have told you something, and you may go to the Lord. Oh, Lord, doctor said this. He knew the doctor was going to say that before the doctor said it. And he already provided what you needed before the doctor said it. It's finished. I've already provided everything you needed. already provided everything that we need. Praise the Lord. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an awesome scripture. So many people are going through the treadmill of life, and you're on a treadmill and you're just working, just going at it hard as you can. The only problem is you're not going anywhere. You need to come to him. That's where you're going to find rest for your souls. That's where you're going to find it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Look at the way he walked. Look at the way he talked. Look at the way he acted. He, he came here on this earth to show us how to do it. He was our example. He said, do it like this. Did he run and scream? Was he in fear? Did he go hide in the closet? No. When the lepers came to him, he said, ho, 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 hold up. Y'all are contagious. I can't touch you. I can't get near you. You have leprosy. And did Jesus just run and flee from them? No, he touched them. Did he catch leprosy? No, they caught what he had. He was in rest. He operated in faith. He was led by the Spirit. He wasn't conformed to the patterns of this world. You know what the world says? Confine them to a place on their own over there. Get them out of here. They're unclean. Get them away from us. Isolate them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's not just grace that saves you. Look right here in Titus, 2nd chapter 11th verse. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now let me tell you, this grace has appeared to all men. It is here. But if it was grace alone that saved you, then Adolf Hitler would have went to heaven. But in 1945, if I'm not mistaken, 1945, uh, Hitler, uh, he went to hell. Unless something happened that I'm not aware of and that you're not aware of, um, he, he, he's, he's not enjoying life right now. But the grace of God that brings salvation, it had appeared to him. It was available to him. You know what? He had to combine the faith with the grace, provided by grace, received by faith. It's by grace you've been saved, what? Through faith. But it was provided to him. And I want you to see, it's not grace alone. You have to have faith. You have to combine the two. Um, let's see, right here in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, the third verse. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor, and love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Without ceasing your work. What's the work? The work of faith. The work of faith, what I was talking about. It's not, I'm not trying to earn it to get it. I'm working my work of faith to remain in rest. We're laboring to rest. Working to stay in the rest. That's what the scripture is saying. A work of faith. And James, he says, the work to rest. Thus also by faith itself, it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say to you, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. What's the work once again? The work is laboring to rest. The work is staying in the rest. Why are you not worried? Why are you resting? Because I have faith in the Scripture. I'm laboring to rest. Now, Satan's going to wave that flag at you, and he's going to get you to listen to this, look at that, see that, hear that, look at everybody else. It's happening to them. It's going to happen to you. Long list of things we could go on and on. I'm not paying any attention to that. 
I'm not walking by sight. I'm, I'm living my life by faith, and I'm going to labor to rest. Praise the Lord. Your children need to see you in rest. Your, your children don't need to see you all worked up and in a frenzy and freaking out, what in the world am I going to do? Because when they grow up, they're going to freak out and be in a frenzy in the world. What in the world are they going to do? No matter what happened, you know, mom and dad, they were just always the same. It's like they really believed the word or something. They were calm. They didn't freak out. They didn't cuss each other out. They didn't uh, cuss each other all the way to church. Didn't come in and go, hey, bless, highly favored, how you doing? Cuss each other out all the way. They were just the same. They were just the same. Just not easily riled up, not easily angered, not, not all, just chill. How was Jesus? When they came and said, Lazarus is at the point of death that he say, drop what you're doing and he just take off running. He's like, well, all right then. He made his way over there, but he was just calm, cool, collected, raising from the dead, went on about his business. He said, what I do, you can do even greater things. So anyway, God told his people, be fruitful, multiply. The plants multiply, the animals multiply, the birds multiply, the fish multiply, human beings told them to go multiply. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what? He told them to be fruitful and multiply. He said, I'm making you disciples, your disciples. Now you go make disciples. You and I, we're supposed to be going and making disciples. Now, what do disciples need to see in us? Is there anything that draws them to you? Freaked out, going crazy, worried, no different than them. In other words, the world needs to see something different in you and I. And Jesus says, I've given you power and authority to do these things. Now you go and make disciples. That's important, that we're making disciples. From, from what position? The position of rest. Faith in the Word of God. Faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to go make disciples. In other words, we're teaching them what we know. And he goes back to Romans 12. Don't be conformed to patterns of this world, guys. No, man. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's making disciples. We're making disciples. I pray that you'll understand, that the eyes of your understanding will be open and you'll see everything that Christ accomplished for you. And it says, what I've commanded you, what has he commanded us? I mean, what has he commanded us to have faith in this book have faith in the finished work of jesus believe this believe this in other words i'm lumping it all together believe this it's been written on your hearts believe this word right here praise the lord thank you jesus that's good stuff now i'm gonna close with this i'm gonna close with this um Jesus is on the cross, and he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And for you and I, that doesn't really, you don't maybe not understand that or don't get it, or say, man, God turned his back on Jesus, and he forsook him. Well, if you were a Jewish person, your mind immediately went back to 22nd Psalm. Because 22nd Psalm says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it goes through, go read it. It goes through saying, basically, it's not looking good. It is not looking good. But at the end of the chapter, it's victory. In other words, those people that were surrounding Jesus and is going back to 22nd Psalm saying, yeah, right now I'm surrounded by this and it doesn't look good. Let me tell you, keep on reading to the end of the chapter. Because at the end of the chapter, there's victory. But I want you to see this. In the Psalms 22nd, I believe it's around the 5th or 6th verse. He says, I'm a worm. If you get your Bible and you're looking at it, you'll see it right there. He says, I'm a worm. It's a tola worm. Y'all know what a tola worm is? It looks more like a caterpillar for us, but it's called a tola worm. And that tola worm was crimson in color. And that tola worm would crawl up onto a tree 
or, or to a wooden post. It had to be wood, and it was vertical, and it would attach itself to it. Attach itself in such a way you couldn't get it off the tree unless you ripped it and tore it apart and killed it. It would attach itself to that tree or to that wooden post in such a way you could not remove it. And then its body would create this shell around it. And the shell would protect the babies. It was a mother. And the mother would have the babies. And the babies were on the inside of this shell. And they were protected from the elements. They were protected from everything. And these worms will begin, the baby worms will begin to feed on the body of the mother worm. And after they had been strengthened enough to go out onto their own, the mother would die. And this crimson colored liquid that's in this worm would run over those baby worms and stain them and they would forever be crimson colored. Then three days later, that worm shell would turn white, white as snow, and fall to the ground. Now, if that's not, whew, mm, that's good stuff. See, we're not working to get covered with the blood. We've been covered by the blood. You're not working to get forgiveness. You've been forgiven. In fact, you've been washed white as snow, and it has fallen to the ground. That's what that worm is. That's powerful. So we've got to learn to live not for victory, but to live from victory. I'm not trying to enter into rest. I'm living in rest. And if you've got to cut the TV off, cut the TV off. If you've got to cut the radio off, cut the radio off. If you've got to quit hanging around, some people quit hanging around with them. You can always go back later in other words, if you need to get yourself out of that environment, disconnect yourself from them, hey, you can always go back and later and lead them to the Lord. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to get away, get yourself out of these environments. If they're not lifting you up and they're pulling you down, you need to get connected with some people that's going to lift you up. Amen. I know this man that was sick and he was in a wheelchair, and I would see him often. And uh, every time I saw him, he was sitting in front of the TV, usually watching Westerns. I like Westerns, like Gunsmoke and the Virginian. I like them. It's good. Good little story behind it, no cursing. Good little Westerns. And he would be watching those Westerns, and he would say, I don't know why God's doing this to me, why God's letting me in this position, why God's doing this, doing all that. Well, let me tell you. That's no different than sitting in front of the TV and watching any other channel. He just happened to be watching Westerns usually when I came in. But your knowledge of um, Miss Kitty, or Matt Dillon, is not going to help you. <laughs> it's not going to help you. Knowing who got recruited down there in Tuscaloosa, not going to help you. Nothing against any of those things not going to help you. That's not going to renew your mind or transform. It's not going to help you. And I, I talk to people often that are sick, and I, I ask them what they're doing. Are you going to church? What do you do during the day? Basically, they heard something about something. Don't the Bible say something about this or that? But they don't know. We got to know. There's an inheritance. We've been... Romans chapter 8, the spirit of adoption. We have been adopted as sons and daughters. That's why we cry, Abba, Father. Your daddy ain't the devil no more. You got a new daddy. And your daddy's already provided everything you ever need. It's up to you and I to peel the banana and eat it. He doesn't peel it for you and stick it in your mouth and chew it for you. What's that? That's the faith. Grace provided it. Faith receives it. Amen. I told him last night we're going to do a last man standing service. I'm going to preach to the last man stands. I'm ready today if y'all are. My grandma has already told me she'll be the last one standing. My mother told me she'll be the first one to leave. <laughs> 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 
No, I'm kidding. We won't do it today. I'll give you all some advance notice so you can bring you a lunch. There's just so much to learn. There's just so much to learn. There's so much to understand. There's so much to get and grab a hold of. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's stand up. That's what we could do every so often. We just stand up and stretch. Maybe walk a couple laps. Hey, man. Granny's on board. Man, brother, buddy's going to do a tag team. Might. We'll do a three-man thing. We'll get me, brother, buddy, see it. We'll just we'll preach for like 12 hours. <laughs> God's good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Well, go out your, go out your, the rest of your day, but go out your week. You got to look through a different lens. We're not looking through a lens of, man, I hope so. Or, yeah, but. Like I said before, I don't participate in flu season. I like hunting season. But I don't like flu season. Someone said, well, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. That's just it. You tried it. Don't try it. Do it. One time I went and talked to Miss Sandra when I was a bigger knucklehead than I am now. And she said, well, here's what you got to do. And I said, well, I'll try it. She said, well, trying it ain't going to do it. You're going to have to do it. She said, I've known you since you were a little baby. She said, when you make your mind up, you'll do it. And I did make my mind up, and I did do it. It took, it took a few more months. But what I'm saying by that is that it's not, a, it's not something you try. This is what we're doing. I'm not trying this word. I'm not going to give it a try and then say, well, I tried that scripture, but it didn't work for me. No, I'm not trying it. That's what I'm doing. It is going to work. There ain't no buts. I said the other week, be careful where you put your butt. It ain't, I was healed by his stripes, but. No, it was the doctor said, but by his stripes I was healed. Amen. <laughs> Got to be careful where you put that. Well, let's pray. We're going out this week looking through a different lens. We're going out this week living from victory.